Digital Marketing Radio, episode 208. Testing and learning in e-commerce. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Usually broadcasting live on the Digital Marketing Radio Facebook page, this is the weekly show that prizes actionable advice from today's top digital marketers. Catch up with all the previous episodes at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The big interview with David Bain Hello, I'm David Bain and today I'm joined by a man who has held senior online business roles for the past 20 years. He's been a senior manager at Dell and Apple, a director at Skype and a vice president at Expedia. He's currently senior vice president of online marketing for Farfetch. Welcome to DMR, John Vickmanis. Thanks, David. Thanks for joining me. Well, you can find, of course, John over at farfetch.com. So, John, how would you define testing and learning in relation to e-commerce? Oh, that's a very good question, David, a very good question. Um, I think my perspective really is it's taking a scientific approach to the discipline of marketing. And uh, why, why is that important? Well, ultimately, I think data is now becoming very much the currency of marketing. It gives us the ability to really understand um, our actions and become as competitive as possible. So using that data to make better decisions is really important. And I suppose if you, if you look back over time, Certainly, if I go back to the beginning of my career, twenty or so years ago, I feel very old. Um, you, you would, if, if you look at the way people made decisions about e-commerce investments, they would go away and they would uh, build some assumptions. They would use Excel spreadsheets, and uh, they would say, "Right, well, we need to invest in X, Y, and Z. I've had this great idea. I've built some assumptions, and I think this is going to work." And then they would go off for six to twelve months, potentially build something, and then hope and pray that the assumptions were correct. And uh, the challenge with that is it's a very, very slow process. Test and Learn completely throws that, uh, that model out of the window, and it's about constant small iterations. It's about using the data to test our assumptions before we invest behind them. And um, I think ultimately this is where you've seen the, the real e-commerce pioneers learn through doing. And um, th- this has a, a wonderful impact on 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 the marketeer's role in terms of empowering them to try new things and uh, prove to their management team that actually I have data points to prove that my idea is a really good one and I now want to invest behind it at a more accelerated rate. So I think what you see in businesses that have really embraced the the scientific approach, a hypothesis-led approach to marketing where they where they will run a test, typically an A-B test or multivariant test, so they keep a control in terms of their current position and test a, a new idea or concept and, uh, and prove that it works. I think this has huge opportunity in terms of creating um, constant optimization for the business, but also helping drive the strategic priorities for the, for the, for, for the organization as well in terms of those key learnings. And um, certainly throughout my career from uh, Apple onwards, actually, Test and Learn has really been at the heart of the, the marketeer's playbook and the product, um, the product team's playbook as well. Couple of examples I always hold close close to my heart. Uh, certainly, one of my employers, the CEO, would actually uh, go so far to um, he was such a huge believer in test and learn. He would literally add things to the navigation that 404 just to test if people were clicking on them and interested in in a particular idea he had when he was driving in in the morning. Uh, and while I wouldn't necessarily advocate that from a customer experience perspective, it does show actually the power and the speed that of, of which you can you can try and test out new ideas and just get a sense check of whether it actually really resonates with consumers. And that is amazing, I think.
So obviously you've got a very extensive background with large online businesses. Is this something that is more applicable to those types of businesses or do you think smaller businesses should be looking at test and learn as an important part of their, their mix as well? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think obviously larger companies have the advantage of, of data. If we go back to the point that data is the marketer's currency, and therefore the more data you have, uh, the quicker you can make decisions and you can certainly make more robust decisions. Uh, but I think test and learn is absolutely for, for, for everybody. Um, even with relatively small data samples, you can make good decisions really, really quickly. So I think this should be in, in everybody's playbook. And certainly when, when we think about performance marketing, I think anything that is auction-based, obviously there, there is a constant cost pressure around what we're doing. Typically the cost of media is increasing between 15 and 20% per annum. Therefore, to pay for that, to maintain your uh, unit economics and your margins, conversion rate has to go up. You need to be doing something to improve the economics of your campaigns and A-B testing and, uh, and certainly, the, certainly the multivariate testing gives you an ability to constantly improve the efficiency of your campaign so that you can spend more, so you can buy more traffic. And, um, and therefore, I think it has to be at the heart of any business's uh, marketing and product playbook so they can actually compete effectively in what is a very, very competitive and, and difficult space to, to really grow and scale over time. So you mentioned performance marketing there. Is that one of the first areas that a business should be looking at things from a test and learn perspective? Yeah, again, I think if you look at all of the tools that 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 are out there, if you get again going back to the data as currency, um, if we look at something as simple as AdWords, there is so much data in place there, and the tool set that Google have provided to optimize those campaigns and run tests are phenomenal. It's very very simple and straightforward to set up. Um, to set up a simple test. I think the first thing for any marketer, my, my recommendation, certainly in the performance space, are to go back and define, well, what is the test methodology? What is What does the scientific approach mean? And at a very simple level, it's about building that control. What is our, our as-is position? And how do we think we can improve that? And building hypotheses. What are the things we want to test? And I think having a, a cultural position that we... We are happy to be proven wrong. We're ha we want to prove that our, our hypothesis not, isn't necessarily correct. It's about the learnings we gauge from those. And certainly within in Farfetch, we have a, uh, a real belief, actually, that if, if, if all our tests are successful, we're not trying hard enough. So really developing hypotheses that we learn new things from and that we can build on those learnings, that's really where we build intellectual capital that we can innovate and try, try new things. So I think for me, many of the tools exist actually so that anybody can set up tests pretty easily. Um, it's about having a culture and a, uh, a willingness to learn and to fail actually. And uh, my biggest piece of advice to any business actually is it's about the, the communication of the results. You know, if you run a test and it fails, uh, well, that's a great piece of learning. Um, the, the real hardship, I suppose, is if nobody else learns from that. So if you have a team of 10 people and one person sat at one end of the, uh, the, the bank of desks, learns something and doesn't communicate that to anybody else, then the evolution of the learning and the thinking doesn't evolve as quickly as it could. 
I think it's interesting if you look at the parallels in other in other industries. If you think about uh, medical science and research, we've seen this huge increase in um, the development of medicines, in part because of the internet is connecting researchers together. So one one researcher learns that actually this has no impact on on this diagnosis or this particular um, particular medical condition, but actually then that stops another researcher trying to try the same thing, and they they learn on the la- they they build on that uh, knowledge rather than trying to constantly repeat it. And, uh, and that's the way we think about how we build our business. How do we share the information so that we're constantly testing those hypotheses and finding new ways to innovate and uh, outwit our competition? Mm-hmm. I'm sure quite a few of our listeners will have used third-party tools like Hotjar, like Optimizely, to mm. actually try and improve their conversion rates. But um, how do these tools actually select winners and losers? What, what's the difference between, for instance, a winner and nearly a winner, but not quite a winner from a scientific perspective? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think ultimately that there are clear winners from a from a data perspective in terms of the statistical significance of a result, which from my standpoint can clearly indicate the impact on conversion. You can measure that very effectively in terms of the uplift between two recipes. Um, And again, I think when designing tests, it's really important to consider, am I going to get to statistical significance? Does this test actually... Will there be enough traffic going into this test to get to a meaningful result? And um, I think it's really important to do the due diligence before you start. If if your test, if you're running a test on a page that has, you know, a hundred visits uh, a month, then is is that really a meaningful test? Are you going to get something that's uh, statistically significant? But uh, from our standpoint, I think we can quickly decipher if if we get to ninety five percent confidence, we can see either a lift in conversion or reduction in bounce. Depends what the actual target is. Then we feel very happy to invest behind it and switch over to the. Uh, the test results if, if they're a clear winner. Right, okay. So when you're talking about investing behind it, are you talking about switching everything that the business does in relation to that test if that test results yeah. in a, a confident winner? Yeah. yeah. I think our, our belief, and uh, I've seen this in, in all organizations, is it's actually a test and learn program should be about small gains. You would hope in in 2017 that sort of these huge opportunities to improve conversion probably shouldn't exist because that's the low hanging fruit. It's the it's the work that we've all gone away and attacked. Whether it's you know new payment methods, whether it's landing page optimization, uh, in in large part, many organisations that have have gone and attacked that low hanging fruit, and there isn't that much of it left. So now it's about small constant improvements it's about that that approach to eke out those small small differences that if you if you run a thousand tests actually add up to a huge benefit and actually make you massively more competitive because you've got so many more insights than your competitors everybody knows they need the right payment methods they need a a checkout abandonment process everybody knows that these are some of the hygiene factors if you like of e-commerce or marketing but actually it's going beyond that and it's looking for that high frequency small gains and actually when you add them up they become a material part of your your playbook and your ability to compete so I, I have a goal at Farfetch that we have to run a thousand tests. That's the, the goal. It's not about uh, running one or two 
finding one or two big, big improvements because hopefully those should have already been implemented. Great, yes. Um, uh, it's funny you're talking about incremental improvement and I was thinking actually about Toyota and the Kaizen exactly. approach. That yeah, exactly that principle. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to see online marketing learning from offline yeah, now. Absolutely. It, it seemed that the worlds were quite different perhaps 10 years ago, but um, things are diverging and we're learning off each other. Yeah, no, right. absolutely. It's absolutely based on that principle of providing autonomy to everybody in the team to make those small improvements. And actually, it's amazingly uplifting, I think, in terms of the cultural impact on the team. It's phenomenal, actually, because everybody has a role to play. You know, no idea is a bad idea. By definition, it's about creating a good hypothesis and testing it. If, if you're proven wrong, you still learn something. And, um, and communicating that with your, your peers and your team members is, uh, is a phenomenally empowering uh, capability, I think, to give to somebody. And um, what about time and investment in testing and learning? Have you not had some concerns that perhaps it's taking people away from what they may perceive as more productive work? Or would you say that it can be integrated with other areas in the business should, should be done naturally as part of other things? Yeah, again, I think my perspective on this is there has to be a balance. Um, Ultimately, even if, if if one out of every 10 tests is a winner, that is a significant, if, if you take everybody in the team driving that level of output, then that has a material impact on your ability to grow. The majority of online businesses are, are still in high growth phase. But if as a leader, you constantly think you're going to hit high growth rates from doing the same things that you did last year, then that, that is a misnomer. You need to um, extend your playbook, your learning, try new things. And that's how you, you, you build sustainable growth, not just rely on, on, on the playbook from last year or the previous year. So for me, it's really important that, yeah, we don't have our people spending 100% of their time on testing, but there has to be a balance of 20 to 30% of the time to make sure that our, our playbook is evolving. And so ultimately, we're taking the learnings and building them into our operational playbook for how we run the team. And, uh, and that makes sure we're always on top of our game and we're innovating at a fast pace. If you always did what you always did, then you're always going to get what you always got. I, I didn't say the quote quite correctly, but uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and just finally, in relation to testing and learning, um, are there things that just can't be tested and that you've got to rely more on gut instinct um, to actually judge the value of? Or are you of the opinion that most things should be able to be tested and uh, proven? That's a really good question. My team often asks me this question. Um... I mean, I, I think um, as 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 we know, certainly on the uh, on the SEO side of, of the house, I think it's more difficult to get to really significant statistical results. So I think uh, trying to build a leading indicator that provides us with um, uh, some degree of affirmation about what we think is actually happening, I think is positive. But I think in in the SEO space, it's very difficult. I think to to get a clean read on the tests. I think the brand marketing space, at times it's more difficult as well. We're really investing in making brand marketing um, uh, somewhat more data-led so we can assess its impact, but it's much more difficult to do. You're still using a, a qualitative approach to try and measure how people feel about the brand, and it's more difficult to do over time and invest behind in real time. But um, again, I just go back to the fact that uh, we are tremendously fortunate. Again, if you go back to you know, 20 years ago, the level of insight and data just didn't exist. And we are so, so fortunate. So we should always go back to the fact that 
this this amazing amount of data that we have as a as, as businesses is tremendous and we should always figure out well, how can we use it to make better decisions we may not be able to make a perfect decision a really clean a b test on page search is amazing because you you have a, a very very high accuracy level uh, but that's not always the case but i think we should always consider well what in, in, insights do we have and how good is our measurement because because it it, there's a huge amount of empowerment, but also just making good decisions and seeing what impact they have over time when you add them all together is, is a tremendous, tremendous feeling, I think, for the team. So let's segue into the second part of our discussion, and that focuses on John's thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So it's starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So John, what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? That is a very good question. And um, to be honest, I don't think there's any one particular piece of software. For me, it's about the, um, the overall architecture and the platform that certainly we're trying to build. So the most important thing for Farfetch is that um, we obviously sell um, luxury products. We're, we're targeting a, certainly not a niche audience, but a, a well-defined audience of people that uh, buy luxury fashion. And so finding those people is really, really important. And so uh, big, the big, big focus for us is um, really shifting from a transactional uh, order-focused uh, mentality to an ability to understand actually where can we find c- consumers that love luxury fashion, love many of the brands that we that we have on our platform, and uh, and invest behind those people. So a lot of the um, the, the tools around um, valuing potential customers are the most interesting. So I love everything to do with Blue Kai at the moment. I think it's a tremendous. Um, tool set to actually take a lot of the data that we already have and trend uh, the characteristics of high value customers and try and find more of those that is a hugely important part of what we're doing sorry that was blue kai blue kai yeah which is a, a product from oracle right and uh, and really put that at the heart of everything we're trying to do from a marketing perspective so if we're bidding in paid search how do we go and find if somebody's looking for a red dress, uh, potentially they may be looking for a red dress from H&M or they may be looking for a Gucci red dress. How do I know that they're looking for um, a particular type of product and that the customer signals are really, really important to us there? And so any piece of software and helping me find good good customers that are relevant to us are the most important things that I'm interested in at the moment. Great. Okay. Well, you started off there not particularly wanting to just recommend one piece, but we did get a recommendation (laughs) for you. So excellent. But here is a slightly more challenging question. And that is what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the future? God, that is a good question. Um, I would definitely like to use Optimizely, actually. I've seen those guys a few times and... I think the simplicity of their tool to modify the user interface on, so for those that don't know what Optimize is, it's an A-B testing tool that you can, uh, uh, basically you tag up your site and you can modify the UI so you can create A-B tests. So for example, for paid search, we could create a different type of landing experience uh, or or, or add incremental messaging to help uh, consumers orientate themselves on the page. 
Um, so I think they've done a really nice job actually in terms of creating something that's super simple to use for marketeers. So you don't have to keep going back to your product org uh, to make changes. And I think they've done a quite a nice piece of work around their uh, visitor cloud. So you can actually target different experiences for different types of customers, which uh, is again, going back to my earlier points is super interesting to us in terms of targeting different types of, of customers and customizing the experience somewhat. So um, that, that's something I would, I would potentially use Great. Okay. Well, I will include links to both those recommendations in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. But moving on to... I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. It's a long time ago, David. (laughs) Well, hopefully you can do it, but we'll see. So um, what didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? What would I have done differently? Um, I think the key things that I've learned in in terms of I, I would go much faster actually in terms of diversifying the mix that we've we've used. I think I've always that there's always been a perspective, I think, in terms of certainly from an e-commerce perspective, that the start point is looking at paid search and looking at the at affiliation. And I think trying to make sure that there's breadth in the media mix is really important rather than becoming reliant on any one channel. And um, ensuring that there's a solid rationale around how much you invest in each channel i think so many organizations tend to skew towards one or two channels because that's where they have um, capability and understanding and ultimately the challenge for us as marketeers is to make sure that the cost of acquisition whether it's generating an order or acquiring a new customer that 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 the cost of that next order or that next customer is as low as possible and the diversity of the media mix in terms of making sure that you're investing into as many channels and different partners as possible is really important. And um, that, that takes, I suppose, a lot, of, um, a lot of work from an intellectual perspective, I suppose, to really build your appreciation of all those different channels. And it's interesting, actually, as you start to work across them, there are, there are so many similarities, actually, and many of them are built from, from the same, um, with, the, with the same goals in mind. But I think really sort of, Really building that breadth of understanding quickly is is important. I suppose I've got there now. That's 20 years later. It's probably something I wish I'd done. (laughs) The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Oh, my God. Just two rows. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. Right. Use it wisely. You're ready to go? Ready. Twitter or Snapchat? Snapchat. Facebook or LinkedIn? Facebook. YouTube or Facebook Live? YouTube. Mobile or desktop? Mobile. Easy. Website or app? I'm going to use the both for that one. Paid search or SEO? I go SEO just because I'm talking to you, sir. (laughs) Outreach or advertise? Um, uh, That's a really hard one. I can use both ones. You're both, yes. Um, I'd go advertise. <laughs> email to one or email to many? Email to one. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Social subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Uh, I'd go global. Well, we got the um, <laughs> there in the end in terms of um, just the one both. There's a few challenges there. Um, mobile was no issue at all in terms of saying desk definitely uh, mobile over desktop um should that be the case for every e-commerce business do you think yeah i think so and i think all industries are are, are obviously somewhat different in terms of their 
migration to mobile, something from, from our perspective, you know, more than half of our traffic is already on mobile and pretty much half of our sales are now made on mobile across both the web and app. I think the important thing for us is starting to think about user context. I think, again, the majority of um, a forward-thinking so forward-thinking retail sites, I think, have done a great job in terms of moving to um, moving to mobile, in terms of building out a responsive site so that users can actually surf surf the site effectively and, and, and buy. But I think there's not enough focus on thinking about user context and actually thinking about consumers having multiple devices because that's the reality of the world. And actually, it's from a market from a marketing economics perspective, actually the, the increase in the number of devices that one individual has has had a massive impact on our, on, our, on our costs because people are making many more searches. They're interacting with a lot more media because they're spending more time on, on, on devices and principally mobile devices because it's always with them. So if they're sat on the bus or the train, they can, they can spend some downtime online. So it's amazing if you think about... Um, you think about the opportunities from a brand building perspective, mobile is amazing because it gives you that frequency you want because people are constantly, constantly using their, their, their devices. So Snapchat, Facebook are amazing because I want frequency. Once I've figured out my reach in terms of who I want to target, the, the frequency I can get on mobile is phenomenal. So that, that is definitely something worth considering. But I think then going back to the, the, the use case, people are also using the devices in a very different way. We know people are researching heavily on, uh, on mobile. So how do we make that uh, more intuitive, simpler? How do we allow somebody to go from mobile to desktop so they can make that switch? If they're sat on the bus on the way home and then they want to buy on desktop, how do we make that seamless? Mm. And um, you know, certainly from our perspective, things like user ID and uh, personalization across devices are really important to make that super, super simple. And so you, you can carry on the experience rather than start again when you switch devices. And, and so for us, the user context you now in this multi-device world, rather than just being completely mobile, is, is massively important. And I think uh, a huge opportunity for those that get it right. Many businesses are, of course, seeing the majority of their traffic come from mobile, as you say. But conversion rates, the actual sales that are generated directly on mobile aren't necessarily as good from a conversion rate perspective as, as desktop sites. Do you think that's just where we are at the moment and that these conversion rates are likely to improve over time? Or do you think we just have to understand, as you indicated, that mobile is part of the mix and we just have to get better of measuring it from an attribution perspective? Yeah. No, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think it's a measurement piece in part that we assume. Uh, I, I, it's interesting, whenever I talk to people about mobile conversion rates, uh, you know, it's interesting to just to take a, a perspective and, 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 and define, well, what are you actually measuring? You're, you're suggesting that um, if mobile conversion is worse than desktop, that people only use one device, that they sit there with that mobile, they browse on it, and then they'll buy. And that is a complete misnomer, even... My uh, my mum has two mobile phones, and she's using many devices. So to try and um, create a measurement where you say you must buy on the device you started researching from, that, that to me is uh, is is not a good metric. So we have to accept that people use mobile for research. We know increasingly people are buying on mobile as well, and we want to make that as simple as possible. But actually, I think it's about understanding that that cross-device measurement. And actually, if you look there, then you you see that conversion rates are generally trending upwards. And um, and that that for me is the the real focus to figure out and um, 
again, there aren't many good vendors that can actually provide you with that um, that fidelity to understand those journeys across device. But again, if you start thinking about user ID, what what are the what are the reasons you can give to people that they log into your site or identify them across devices? Because that's great in terms of user experience, but it also makes the measurement much much richer. So that I think is uh, an industry issue that we really need to 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 get to to grips with and and start uh, start to solve for. But um, from, from my perspective, I think looking at uh, device level conversion is somewhat of a, of a, of a red herring, really. That $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend like it over the next few days on a single thing to yeah. grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure it? Yeah, good question. Um, well, I think if I was given given £10,000, I'd definitely want to invest it into some uh, some new activity to uh, to really learn from. The area that I'm most interested in at the moment is really looking at um, increased levels of personalization, particularly in rich media and video. I think that's uh, a huge area of, uh, of engagement, particularly within the, the fashion space in terms of really trying to make sure that we understand consumer preference and, um, and, 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 a, and a level of engagement. So I think I, I definitely start playing around, I think, uh, a little bit more with... Uh, personalized video and um, rich media potentially with YouTube and the Google team again my, my perspective is to try and go back and work with some of the the, the the media owners to figure out how we can innovate and solve problems that are from a technology perspective rather than just buying what's already available so that that's probably where I'd, I'd go and Absolutely. And, and, and going back to your answer, email to one or email to many, you picked email to one. And I, and I like that one-to-one communication perspective that you've got there. And I actually used it for the book Digital Marketing in 2017 that, that I published a couple of months ago in relation to the show um, that we did in, in December. So I interviewed 107 people, had 107 people participate, but I recorded a personal one-to-one video for each person who participated in the book, of course. And if you do that, and you you make someone feel that you've really done something personal instead yeah. of one too many it makes a massive difference in oh, their reaction. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's absolutely where the market's going. And again, we go back to some of the earlier points around data. What do you do with it? Well, absolutely, it's amazing in terms of measuring what we're doing. But then you think about the opportunities in terms of enhancing the user experience, in terms of telling really engaging stories. Um, and again, I think this is a problem for the industry that uh, to some degree, We've got all of this amazing technology, so I can I can go and find people that really really love the products we sell, and I can build frequency. But actually, how am I using the technology to tell a more engaging story? I, you know, I'm, you know, many businesses are in danger of just taking what they what they've created in the analog world and and applying it to something where you actually know who they are. You have data points on them. But you're not using you're using the data for measurement, but you're not using it to enhance the the storytelling or the ability to show them something that that's really relevant and resonates with them. And I think that for me is the the really exciting opportunity to marry, if you like, the creative arts and the the technology um, capabilities that, that that are emerging at a rapid rate, actually. So that that to me is the the most interesting frontier, I think, as a, as a marketer. Now. My number one takeaway. Well, John, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? Take what's the uh, single most important step that our listener needs to take away and implement in their own business? Yeah, I think uh, that there's a recurring thing for me that, that data is our, our real currency. Any, any marketer typically has a, a pound or a dollar-based budget. 
and, uh, and we'll often think about how do we get the best return for that spend. Ultimately, I think we should change that dialogue and look at the data assets we have and make sure that we're getting the best return on, on those assets and that we're using them effectively, both in terms of measurement, but also then enhancing that, that user experience. And that, to me, is the, the, the real focus um, and, uh, and the brief to my team in terms of what are we doing to make sure that we, we really enhance and get to that um, that one-to-one level, not just an email across any communication, actually. Um, and um, I, I think I think it's a, a long, winding road ahead. And um, you know, we will make many mistakes. We'll learn many things from testing, hopefully. But but that that is the the most important and interesting space, I think. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice. What's the best way for our listener to find out more about you and what you do? That is a good question. Well, you could uh, obviously Google me. There are very few people with my surname. Um, or um, I, I, um, I, I often, uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter as well. So you could follow me on uh, Twitter or um, on LinkedIn, I suppose. I often post on there as well. Lovely. Okay, well, I'll make sure I include notes to that in the show notes again at digitalmarketingradio.com. So thanks to John and thank you to your listener too. If you have an opinion of what John shared today, tell us what you think. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash digitalmarketingradio. And you can tweet me as well, at David Bain. Plus, remember to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already. So you can do that at digitalmarketingradio.com slash iTunes for iPhones or digitalmarketingradio.com slash Android for Android devices. But until we meet again, be fantabulous and do one thing that scares you. Adios. Adios.